Oh, is that the beginning of it? Is that the beginning of it? This does sound like something like you show film clips of racing, doesn't it? Doesn't yeah. it? Somebody... <laughs> 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 hey, it's BT with Tales from the Gemini. And I got uh, I have a guest on today. I'm so excited. To, thank you, Wyatt, for that music, man. It, that that music is that's racing music. That, that's when you show highlights of people racing motorcycles, getting messed up. Like, oh, oh, I broke my arm. And the next thing you show somebody doing a knack knack, somebody doing a triple, doing a double. Anyway, I have a, a guest on. I know she's gonna call it. I mean, hit up exactly at 12:05. She is precise. I can just tell she's gonna be precice. I don't have to uh, worry about her. She's she's not like Dion. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Dion's show starts at 12. He'll get her like 11.53, you know. <laughs> Who are you, Dion? I'm parking the car, man. You know what I mean? This woman's on time. I'm interviewing uh, Steffi Bow, and uh, I'll, I'll do it all when she gets on. And that's why I like to do it, just to have them come on and, and, you know, and do them that way. And this is my time to talk to the people right now. So I want to thank everybody, man, for this show. It's going so well, getting so much positive feedback. And I'm loving what I'm doing. The other, the, uh, my other podcast with Dion Curry is called uh, Sorry We're Canceled. So if you guys wanted more of a comedy kind of, a, we uh, um, talk about the topics that are going on today. But we, you know, we make them funny, and as as only two comics can do. So if you get a chance, go to uh, Sorry We're Canceled. Uh, that's the other podcast I do. Uh, catch on Instagram. You can hit uh, the social platforms are uh, YouTube. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Instagram, Facebook. How about Spotify? Yep, Spotify. And then Apple Spotify Podcasts. also. And Apple, a- Apple Podcasts. And Apple Podcasts also. So uh, go to Sorry We're Canceled if you guys want just a straight comedy and just a tomfoolery. Uh, but this one <laughs> is one of my favorites because I get to interview people and I love hearing the stories of their life because everyone I have talked to, everyone has entered adversity and they came out on the on the positive side of it. And that's what I like about this. If, it's insp- if, it, insp- if it inspires me, I know it's going to inspire you. And that's why I do. I know it sounds corny, but man, that's I love this. I, I when I leave here, I'm so charged up and happy, and and it, and it excites me because sometimes even as adults, I think the older you get, the more kind of ho hum you get. Is that her? No, nope, but I can. I'm gonna play this video. I'm, I'm gonna play this video right now for you. Uh, it's, it, this is the, I'm gonna introduce our guest through the video, and by then she's gonna hit me up on the click. So yeah, play the video, Wyatt. This is my guest for today, Miss Steffi Bow. Hit it up. Anytime now. Anytime, Wyatt. Anytime, buddy. Europe, which we did for a couple races, and then I flew to the United States. So she was able to compete in New York. 
How great was that? Is she, is she clicking in yet? Yep, I'm going to bring her up. Oh, here we go. I, I love it. I'm, show <laughs> me that. You know that's my favorite part. Show me when they click in. Oh, uh, oh, you know I love this part. This is my baby coming on. Can I just say I love this woman? I mean, I love this woman. Oh, here we go. Here comes my baby, Steffi. Here comes my baby. There she is. There she is. Hey, hey, Steffi. Hey. How are you? <laughs> Doing great. How are you? Oh, my God. I'm so glad. Thank you for being on my show. I, I, oh, I, yes. I, was, I told my producer, my producer's 19 years old. He knows a <laughs> lot of things, but he didn't know racing. And I told him your story, and he was like, wow. And I go, this woman. <laughs> and I told him how we first met. We first met in yep. Valencia, Spain. Your beautiful mm -hmm. sister said, hey, my sister's coming. And she introduced us, and I don't know what it was. And I don't want your wife to get mad at me, but I was just like, we <laughs> talked. And I was like, oh, my God. And I could not stay away from you. And I said, I'm going out to watch the radio. You want to come? He go, yeah. And, yeah. and you had this bad limp. And I was like, you okay? And you told me your story. And we were inseparable that mm -hmm. weekend. And I That's was, true. I was looking so forward to see every day. I was like, all right, I get to see Steffi. We get to see racing. <laughs> and it was like, it was the weirdest thing. It was like, it was like, you were kind of like my girlfriend for that weekend. <laughs> 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 it was a great time. And so when I asked you to be on the show, and what happened, what, what inspired that was I interviewed Franco. And mm -hmm. I like Franco's because he was the only man of color in the MotoGP paddock, and he kneeled. Yes. And I was like, wow. And I saw your comment underneath his, uh, underneath his picture, and you go, I'm proud of you. And I go, bam. That's why I said, I got to interview you. So Yes. <laughs> I, I showed the, uh, the, the, uh, the little intro video of you and everything, but I just want people to know uh, everything you've done before, and it's going to be boring, but I just want the people to know <laughs> how great you are. You're the first woman uh, in motorsport to have a signature helmet. You know, like yep. if you don't know racing people, uh, people dorks like me, we like to have helmets to make me think like I'm the black Mark Marquez or I'm the black Rossi. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you were the first woman to have a signature helmet. You were the first yep. woman to compete against pro motocross racers in Japan in 2002. You're the first woman motocrosser to participate in a national TV show. You're the first woman motocrosser to have a video game in her. <laughs> you do, you've done everything, Steffi. And I just want the people to know how much of an answer inspiration you are not just to girls I think it's great don't get me wrong to women and girls but to just people in general people like myself because your attitude I think that's what one of the things that brought me was I just was I couldn't stay away from you that weekend was just your positive attitude <laughs> and I just and I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart I I gas you up because you deserve to be gassed up because you're one of the greatest racers ever men or women ever but you're also so generous with your time and and your heart and what you do so i just want to say thank you to that and and that's how i introduced you to the show so yeah so I just awesome thank you so much <laughs> no problem you know we're going to go back a little bit to your to your childhood even though they saw it you grew up what was it? I know you first got on the motorcycle at four years old. What mm -hmm. was it at that age? Because at four years old, I was still pooping in my pants. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> at four, I really was. I didn't know how to do it. I'm not going to get into that. But at four years old, I didn't know what I want. I was still playing with Tonka toys. How did you know this is what I want at four years old? Well, it kind of like started in the way that uh, my mom and dad, they were fan of the sport. Mm -hmm. So every time the, 
the motocross uh, world championship round was coming to Italy, they were going watching it. So I was born and I was this little toddler and they started bringing me to it. Then my dad ended up buying a motorcycle and he ended up doing some um, trail riding on his, uh, um, on his own, you know, like on a Sunday uh, afternoon. And I started getting so fascinated by seeing him coming back home full of mud, you know, with the biggest smile on his face. <laughs> and I'm like, this is cool. I want to do that too. And uh, so I ended up looking at my mom and dad and say, you know what? I, I want a motorcycle just like my dad. And um, they bought me a real one, a peewee. And the story goes that uh, they gave me the, the motorcycle, they get all the equipment. You know, I look like a little robot, you know, very little <laughs> with a super huge helmet and a chest protector and boots and all of it. Yes. And we had a cornfield in front of the house and ended up putting me on it and say, you know, this is the throttle. This is the brake, you know, an automatic is a peewee. Mm-hmm. And then here I go. And I just knew how to do it. And Are then... You- uh, you see, yeah. they, they said no, any training wheels, or did they let you go? Nope, that no just training like that. wheels. Well, I was already on a bicycle without training wheels okay. at two years old. Okay. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> yes. You were like a prodigy. It was meant to be two years old. I could barely walk at two. I can barely walk now. But at two years old, you were on a bike, and then you were. Oh my God! How do you do that? It, it was meant to be. I don't know. Be. I just like, exactly. I just, uh, it was meant to be. And then uh, fast forward, you know, like a little bit later, you know, like my, my dad was uh, going around in one of his uh, trail rides and he came across uh, this small track where there were kids riding, you know, mm-hmm. with the supervision of parents. Mm-hmm. So he comes home and he says, get dressed, let's get on a motorcycle and let's go to this track. And we went to it through the fields you know, like trail riding. And I was like five years old, six years old. And I still remember today, you know, like the experience, you know, to go following my dad, you know, that little, little kid. Yes. We go, we go there and we are at the track and my dad said, well, go, this is the direction, go in and have fun. And in one hour time, I was beating all the little boys in the track. <laughs> so the other parents, you know, come to my dad and say, where are you guys coming from? And my dad, well, five miles down the road from through the fields you know, where, where we live and then uh, they didn't my parents didn't know that there were uh, races for little kids so we discovered at uh, that day that we saw this little track just by luck and uh, so we learned we went back home and we tell mom hey can we go racing and uh, we go at the first we decide yes we go at the first race ever you know with no experience whatsoever of course and uh, the very first race I did uh, at six years old I finished third among the little boys and then that year I won every races I entered Oh my God. I mean, that's incredible. Because usually (laughs) when people, when they compete, they usually get last the first race or whatever they fall off. (laughs) And you got third. So is that when you knew, like, I mean, is that when you knew that's what you wanted to do for a living? Or, 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 I mean, how, how, yeah, yeah. I mean, because it actually came right, right after that, because, you know, in the house, they were like the magazine for motocross, you know, like, so I was uh, so fascinated by the sport that I I barely was able to read and write, but I was recognizing every single athlete, you know, in the, in the, in the magazine. I knew, you know, by the picture who was who, right? right? What bikes were what, you know, like uh, as a little kid. And, uh, you know, like uh, I looked at my mom and dad in the eyes, like at six, and I said, 
one day I would become a professional motocross rider in the United States of America. That's and of beautiful. Course, <laughs> and you spoke it into existence. That's what yes, you did. Exactly. And you didn't realize it. But you spoke it into existence, and that's what happened eventually. Now, uh -huh. at, at the time growing up, I know uh, maybe things are different over in Italy, but who did you look up to uh, as, as, a, as a rider? I mean, who was like your sports heroes? Well, back, back then, you know, like uh, I always was fascinated with America. So one of the years was Ricky Johnson, for okay. instance, still for motocross, because, you know, my passion was in that. So Ricky Johnson or Jean-Michel Bile, which is a French guy that ended yes. up coming into the United States and beat everybody. It was the very <laughs> first one, you know, like that I could remember, you know, back then. That was like fascinated to me because it's, it, I felt a little bit related because I wanted to come in America and be the best I could be. So he was another one. And um, yeah, you know, and then growing up a little bit older through my racing career, I start looking up at women participating in the sport in the US. So one of the um, women that I was looking up at was Mercedes Gonzalez. She was one of the, the most competitive women there were in, in, the, in the industry, you know, back in the mm -hmm. days. And it was fun because I got the chance to come and compete in the United States at 14 years old in this international event in uh, in uh, in California, mm -hmm. and she was you know the best one out there you know like she was like on on the um, uh, packages of boots for instance you know when you buy like an Alpine Star boots yeah. back then she was on on her figure was on that and I'm like I want to be that so when I came over you know I was 14 and she was like toward the end of her career and I beat her and for, since then we became good friend and wow. mad, mad respect for each other and then you know like I was not even able to speak English back then but <laughs> how, it how was bad, great how, how bad you beat her how bad you beat it did you get first you get second or yeah I got first she got second yes wow but you know at 14 years old I'm like wow this is so cool you know beat your idol you know it doesn't really happen that often you know how does that mental play I mean I I, I, I watched your interviews and read everything about but you said I mean you said okay I'm gonna go over there and I'm gonna beat her I mean but it wasn't a cocky it wasn't like no. a, a it's just like it's like you wanted to better yourself, but it wasn't like a confidence. It's like, hey, I, you know, I look up to her, but I'm, I want to go over there and I want to beat her. And you did that. And your friends. And there's somebody else you mentioned. Yeah. And that's what I learned. I loved about your interviews. It was like, I want to compete against the best and beat them. But it wasn't a shove it in your face kind of beat them. It's like, I want to be it's like you wanted to better yourself by beating the best. Yeah, well, there is a little bit of cockiness, I have to say, because, <laughs> I mean, every single athlete you interview, you know, like, yes. a, it goes yes. through a stage of the life mm -hmm. that you have to believe it, you are the best thing that ever walked on earth. <laughs> Otherwise, you can win, you know, it just comes with the territory, but... But, you know, like uh, as soon as you grow, you know, like as a person, as an individual, then you learn that that is important, uh, you know, when you're racing. But it's also much more important to create this very meaningful relationship that, that lasts a lifelong. So that's why, you know, like uh, for me, it was also important, uh, yes, you know, to be the, the competition, but also, you know, to establish a sort of like a relationship that could be beneficial, you know, later on in life. Right. Okay, so talk me into what I thought was a very fascinating story on how you got over to the United States. Because there, uh, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, there was a competition and yeah. you qualified, but then they, the Italian uh, racing, uh, so whatever it was, they called and said, "Hey, you can't compete." 
Yeah. You, tell that story. I think it is great. So, you know, like I was 17 years old and I was, uh, you know, fairly cocky, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I wanted to become the first woman to compete in the world championship of motocross. Mm -hmm. Okay. So being in Italy, what you dream, you know, is to comp compete in the MX uh, GP. Right. So, you know, like uh, I, back in the days, uh, the only way to be able to be selected was uh, through a, a trial that you could do you know in your uh, um, country so in Italy there were the trials going on and uh, if you were in the top um, I don't know 20 in the country let's say you were getting invited right mm -hmm. and then the top five it was based on lap times like you spend the two days in this track you know like and then uh, when it's time go out you do your lap time it's almost like a qualifying Right? right, right. So you do the lap time, and the top five, they were the one they were going to go to represent Italy in the world. I got the third the fastest time. And this is what, I, is this with boys combined? With boys, with boys, only boys. I was the only woman doing this. So I was like over, over the moon, you know, I'm like, I did it. You know, I did something that I really wanted to do since I was a little girl, you know, and now here I've, I've done it, right? right? Few days later, I get a call from the Italian Federation and they said, you know what? We just decided not to send you because you are a woman. Wow. Did that, so, did that be, I mean, was that like a kick in the gut? It was, you know, like, but because of how I am, you know, I'm a person that if there is a mountain, I find a way to go around it, on the top, underneath, you know, whatever it is, you know, I'll find a way. Yes. So I, I decided to say, you know what, it's okay, you know, like, uh, you don't want this, you know, you're, you're you lose on this because I would I bring Italy as the first country to have a woman representing a country in the world championship in the history of the sport. And uh, I go to America. So I ended up coming here in the United States, you know, like really like an immigrant, like with my <laughs> gear bag, you know, with my gear bag, not speaking a word, you know, of, Itali of English, wow. you know, like, and coming here and in the U.S. it was working a little bit different to be able to get the professional license. It was based on points. So that was the year 1999. And I needed to compete in, in all national events to be able to gain enough points to ask mm -hmm. the AMA to give me the professional license. And I just did that. So the AMA did not uh, discriminate. And so they ended up giving me the license. And in 2000, I competed in Supercross. I did um, and I'm super cross, and uh, it was one of the best things I ever done in my life. Did, Although, did, did you qualify for the for the main? No, I didn't make it into the main event, unfortunately. Oh, how, how but, close did you come? How close did you come? How close? Um, I made it through. I didn't make the the night uh, program even. Mm -hmm. You know, at that first event, yeah. the only time that I was able to get closer to making the night program was actually in Daytona, and uh, for me, you know, it was like a. A dream come true, but was very difficult and very hard because as a woman coming into the sport, I had not the same support that um, most of the guys do, mm -hmm. right? Right. And plus, it was something new to me. I've done motocross my entire life. Supercross is a totally different animal. I remember that when I walked into Anaheim Stadium and I walked the track that morning, mm -hmm. I said, today I'm going to die. <laughs> why, why, why was that? Why? Why? What? what well, if you, if you, I don't know if you ever got the chance to walk a supercross track, but mm. as soon as your face um, 
and is in front of a, the ramp of a triple. And you know that you are on a 125 bike back then, so a uh -huh. two-stroke. Right. And there is no room of a mistake. And if you case the jump like that, oh. it's going to be very, very bad. So that was my reaction. I have not done it really, anything like that before. So I'm just coming in and like, okay. Oh, my okay. God. So, so it, Let's it do was it. trial by fire is basically what it was. Indeed. Indeed. Oh, now, were you scared? I mean, were you scared or were you like, okay, here we go. We're in this thing. Well, more, more like, here we go. <laughs> you know, like you cannot really be scared. If you are, if you are an athlete, if you let yourself be scared, you should stop racing. Yeah. Because it's such a dangerous sport. And, yes. you know, you follow MotoGP a lot, yeah. you know, like, and we know what happened, you know, in the last few uh, yes. events, you yes. know, like if you let fear come into your brain, you're done. Yes. So, you know, like you just have to say, I'll see the situation, say, okay, I know I'm capable of it. Like, let's just do it, you know? Wow. Now, okay. Now, explain the difference, whatever, when you were over here between, let's say, between men and women racing wise, because I've had this discussion also with, uh, and this with road racing, but what's the difference between men and women? Because I, 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 in some sports, I understand the physicalness. Like, say, like in football, where, like, you know, mm -hmm. it'd be hard to be a linebacker in the NFL if you're a woman. But, like, when it comes to racing, what is that difference between men and women that, that maybe the women are. I, I can't say just as good because you are just as good, but explain yeah. the difference, basically. So there are, of course, a different type of racing. So if we stri uh, stick with motorcycle racing, you know, you have the monocross and supercross, and then you have the, the road racing environment, okay? Right. So there are differences there. So for monocross, is way more physical than any other sport, right. okay? So at that particular level, you know, the top woman in the world, super trained, you know, with the best equipment there is, will never be able to be like a, a Ken Rocks and an Eli Tomac. You know, like because a, it's so physical. Because the physical, physical. There is a tons of study that has been done. It's the same reason why you don't have a woman be in a, a football team, in one of the major football teams. Because the physical strength that is right. necessary to perform at the top level is just not there. You know, we are built different. That's right. why, you know, there are women, there are men, you know. Right, right. So <laughs> we, are, we are just physically built different. Right. Um, you can get to the top level, like I was able to, by using other qualities, you know, like for instance, women tend to be much more balanced, you know, mm -hmm. on the mic, we tend to use more uh, the leverage point to our favor because we cannot use the pure strength, right? Mm -hmm. But then you get to a point that then, you know, if you have to handle like a 250 or a 450, you just have to be that strong to be able to do it. Yeah. So that's the main difference. That's why, you know, we had never have seen somebody, you know, a woman to compete alongside to, with, uh, you know, Eli Toma, Ken Roxen, or Tony Cairoli over in Europe, you know, all that. Right. In MotoGP, I, and I have race, raced um, street bike racing, road racing in the past, you yeah. know, when I was living in Italy. So I had that physical uh, experience. It's a different animal, in my opinion. Like uh, road racing, I think... Um, it's possible for a woman to be at the top level. The difficulty right there is the industry as a whole. I think the industry being very white male dominated doesn't open up the doors to add invest in somebody that has the talent that can be alongside Marquez or Vinales or, you know, you name it. But I think physically it is possible. And there is Anna Carrasco that she's proven it. 
You know, and, like and, it's just... and uh, Maria Herrera. I think Maria exactly. Herrera gets lost, and I love both of them. I don't want to pit pit them against each other because mm -hmm. I think that's one of the main. I, I hate when people do that. I mean, there's two women doing a great job in in racing. I don't want to pit them against each other. It's like having two black guys in a white dominated sport and pitting them against <laughs> each other. But I think Maria does a great job also. But yeah. here, but here's the here's my problem with those two. Not even a problem, but and maybe you can explain it is. Anna does a great job if Anna's out in front. But mm -hmm. if, if it's in a pack, she finds her, uh, she gets in a little bit of trouble. I mean, and, and I want to know, if, is, that more, is that a woman thing or is that, I mean, because is it mentality or because she's in a pack? I mean, that's the times when she has a lot of problems. I know when, like, when the pack is around her and she's in the middle, then it's like, okay, then she has troubles. But if she's a wave on her own, if she gets out in front by two seconds, it's over. It's done. Yeah. And Maria is on a bigger bike, and I and I kind of admire, uh, admire Maria in, in a different way, a little bit more, because she's in she's in a super sport, and that is a not that's a knockdown drag out. That's a, that's a barroom brawl. So I mm -hmm. give Maria credit, but we've always and everybody's talked about when it comes to training. I think Bautista's talked about this, where Maria is just as good as anybody else when it comes to training and flat tracking and motocross. But for some reason, when they get and maybe it's the bike, they don't know the bike enough. But when they get to racing, it's something different. Why come she's not at the, at the, say the top 10 or, or finishing in the top five? Why is that, do you think? Well, I cannot really speak for them individually, but mm -hmm. I can tell you about my own experience. And I know that in the sport, especially in road racing, you have to have the best equipment. Yeah. So equipment makes it tons of a difference. Like in motocross, the rider makes more of a difference. You mm -hmm. know, you still have to have a very good equipment to perform good, but you can buy a motorcycle, you know, right, right off the, the showroom floor right. and compete with the best and, and, you know, hold your pace if you wish. Right. In road racing, you know, like everything is about, you know, millisecond and, uh, you know, more money the team has to put into the, the motorcycle, better chance you as a rider, you get to be better than, than your competition. So um, in that particular case, I don't know, you know, the type of the support exactly that they have, you know, like, but that could be one reason, you know, like uh, to make sure that uh, the motorcycle it's competitive as the top ones right. that are there. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like uh, their motocross, motorcycle, road racing, it's, it's a mental sport. You have to be strong mentally to be able to succeed, right? right. So you have a lot of pressure, you know, and there is a lot of thing behind the scene that a lot of people don't see, you know, contract times, you know, like you might have to even use a particular type of equipment that you don't want to use, but yeah. because the team is contracted to use that, you have to, you know, you have to. So, yeah. you know, there is a lot of pieces of the puzzle that they have to fit to perfectly together to be able to perform you know with the best of the best so i don't have an answer for you why you know like um, maria is not winning you know or, or why you know anna when she's in the pack she feels a little bit more tentative that's yeah. a question that you should give ask them but i can tell you as a whole there is a lot of different aspects that they have to fit properly to be able to to be successful so maybe they don't have all of the pieces of the puzzle okay Okay, now for you, let's move on. Like you've won everything, basically. I mean, I mean, you've won everything. Like I said, you were uh, the first one to win every round of the WNA national championship in '99. You were seven-time national champion in Italy, five-time U.S. national champion. Everything's going great, and then we move to 2005. And I remember yeah. you, when you told me the story, and I, because I, I noticed your limp first, and I, and I think I asked you, and you told me, 
And I was like, wow. And then I told my producer, Wyatt, and he was like, I don't want to hear it. And I almost hate bringing it up, but I, I have to just because I want to move up. But I want to see how you dealt mentally. So take us right. back to that October day. You're at Davy Millsap's farm in, in the United States, mm -hmm. and you're training. Mm -hmm. It's off season. Yep. And tell us what happened. It was October 20, 2005. I remember the date. Mm. And yes, I was uh, a Honda athlete and we were there with the Honda team to do some testing. And uh, I, there was this uh, double jump. There was a very big jump. It was 150 feet double. And uh, I just don't know why, but that particular lap, I came up short so I don't know if it was my mistake I don't know if I you know I missed shift or there was a problem with the bike I can't tell you matter of the fact that I was in the air you know and I see the landing and I said I'm not gonna make it and I'm like my first thought was actually dang I'm gonna miss next week race <laughs> and the second thought was like this is gonna hurt <laughs> oh my so, god really yes so I crashed very hard and uh, I pretty much destroyed both of my ankles mm. and um, yeah, and uh, they wanted to amputate both of my legs. And but, uh, but here's the thing about it. You went on for 10 years yes. of them. Want, you couldn't get a doctor to, to tell you basically what you wanted to hear. They, right. they all wanted to amputate your leg. You're like, no, no, no. And you for 10 years, you, were, you went around and then finally, well, it wasn't until 2016, 17? 15. 15, 2015, 10 and years, exactly. How do you go around, were you in a wheelchair or what? What were you? Uh, well, the first period of time, yes, I was in a wheelchair. I spent about five months in, in bed, you know, like then moved on to the wheelchair and then from the wheelchair with this contraction that uh, you can put your knee on and kind of roll yourself around. And then from that, with um, crutches, and then from two crutches with one crutch, you know, like, and then start walking with a limp, you know, like, uh, but uh, it took 10 years because the biggest issue was that uh, every doctor that I was visiting, you know, I was walking into the doctor's office and they looked at my medical history and say, it's impossible that you're walking. And my answer was like, then you're not the doctor for me because I clearly just walked here. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I kept fighting and fighting because, you know, like everybody thought that I had a bone infection. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is why they wanted to amputate my legs. But even though, you know, some images could have led toward that, you know, it was never found, the infection. And I never had any symptom, like uh, infection brings fever. I never had fever for all of these 10 years, for instance, right? So still nowadays, we don't know what really was wrong with that with that ankle, my left uh, my left foot. But you know, in 2015, finally, I found a doctor that said, "You know what? I can fix this." And immediately, I was like, "You kidding me? <laughs> I don't believe you." <laughs> you know, after 10 years, you know, hearing everyone say, "Oh, we can only amputate." Yeah. But you know, like I took the chance, and there was a roller coaster there too. You know, like because some crazy stuff happening but at the end of it you know like I have my leg it's good you know it's the best I can ever for now you know and um yeah and I have a smile on my face okay now the, you know everything I've read about you all the interviews I've seen with you nothing 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 but inspirational and positive but in those 10 years 
and you know you had to give up racing that was your life and you know you're sitting there and they want to amputate your leg and you can't find a doctor that tells you what you want to hear because you know your body and you're like no it doesn't need to be amputated was there a time where you, you were there dark days or I oh. mean, did you allow yourself to feel uh, like sorry for yourself for an instant and then you had to snap out of it? How did you get through that mentally? That's what I want to know. Because Well, it, yeah, you know, like at the very beginning, you know, it, it's in, it was incredibly difficult because the life that I knew up until that point all of a sudden stopped. So I didn't have a plan B. You know, you're a racer. You think, you know, like you can race forever, yeah. you know. And even though, you know, I was uh, toward the end of my career, I was already 28 years old when, I, when uh, I had this accident, you know, like um, motorcycle racing is a young sport. So, you know, that you're like toward your way out. But still, you know, like you always think you're going to get like, at least two or three years more, you know, into, <laughs> yeah. into the sport, right? So everything stopped all of a sudden. And then it really was like, and now what? What's going to happen? So I did have a lot of dark moments, you know, at the very beginning, also dealing for the fact that they wanted to amputate my legs. So it's like what I'm going to do, you know, like, but then, you know, having my parents, they always supported me and my sister always supported me. You know, we're just like looking at it. It's like, you know, I just said, if this is has to be it, then I'm going to win an X game gold medalist, you know, <laughs> with an amputated leg, you know, like uh, I'm going to go to the Paralympics, you know, like do something <laughs> like that, you know. That is so, you great. know, I try to come up, you know, like with the, the, the willingness to react, you know, right. which is very characteristic of, of a motorcycle racer, you know, like you, you crash 10 times, you get up 11, you know, and then even if you, when you're up, you're broken up, you know, you still find a way, you know, right. like to find a way. And uh, yes, so I turn the negative into positive and I start uh, train my brain and say, you know, up until this point, at 20 years old, I had an incredible good career. You know, I was able to put lots of nails in that coffin and inspire tons of people in yes, the world. Yes. And now I have the chance to do that again at and 28, how, you and, know? And what, yeah. And, what, and so that led you to what? Well, led me to a few different things. Like immediately I was able to become the general manager of the Women World Championship, which uh, that was incredibly fun because I got to explain and bring my knowledge, you know, and and way to do things that I I was doing in the sport for all the girls. So, you know, like I was kind of like the mom, you know, of the girls (laughs) that started to to race, you know, and and become successful in the sport, you know, and grow the sport as a whole. And then, you know, a few things happen, you know, like in, in my career and then fast forward to right now, which is um, what I'm doing. I open up an e-sport agency. Yes. So for the people that they don't know what e-sports are, they are super fun. And yes. what it is, is pretty much, you know, playing video game in a way of a tournament. And uh, because of what happened with covid and and a lot of people staying home more and more sport and are starting to look at this as an option to bring more people new people you know into the sport of motorcycling and and motorsport as a whole so it is fun and it's very engaging and um yeah, I can tell you all about it. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I, you know, whenever I heard esports, I go, man, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not a gamer. I never was a gamer, and um, and I was like, okay, whatever. And so, you know, MotoGP has that esports championship, and I was like, 
And I think I was bored one day. I said, okay, I'll watch it. And I, I, I was in actually Valencia, and they were having it in Valencia. And so I was in my hotel, yeah. like, okay, I'll watch it. And I'm not going to lie, I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. And I was glued to my computer. I was like, this is incredible. So now that you're on that end, and you were the first woman to have a video game. That, yes. Uh, <laughs> that's what's incredible. So, so you know a little bit about this. And so now, now you're involved in esports, and the winner of this actually gets a number one plate just like the, uh, the actual champion, uh, the, a champion of a Supercross, right? Yeah, so like uh, what we were able to uh, do is uh, to create a relationship and a partnership with the AMA, the American Motorcycle Association. Mm -hmm. And uh, with them, we are going to be the promoters of every eSport championship for the United States. So that means that a little kid, let's talk about motocross or even road racing, right? You know, a little kid, they will not have the opportunity to buy a motorcycle to get into the sport. Right. Now, you know, like they can start to appreciate the sport from the gaming side because the entry level to start playing is much lower than the cost of buying motorcycle and gear and whatnot. But they will have the possibility to race the digital championship and become champion. So the goal and the big vision is to be able to bring these people then you know, that they are passionate about the sport that transform them into consumer of the industry. And then with time, get them on a motorcycle, get them to buy into the industry, you know, and then be alongside their idol. And even though they might not have done it in the way of racing, you know, and compete and be on the racetrack with their idol, they can still get there in a different way by becoming an esport champion. How great is that? And also, here's what I love about you. You could have easily, like I said, went down a dark path with, after the crash and, and stayed in that dark path. But you still give back to the industry in the sense of you want to help everybody, especially women. And because we talked about this in a male-dominated sport, a white male-dominated sport. Yeah. <laughs> and you went over to Africa, and that's what really caught my eye. You went to Zimbabwe, and you found this girl, is it, uh, Tanya, Tanya, Tanya. Muzinda. Mm -hmm. And you saw her, and like, how did that story happen? Uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> serious, how did that story happen? How did you well, know she was on the map? Well, it started out actually funny because uh, it was not me going seeking her. It was actually her dad seeking me. So how it started is like this. The, Tanya was uh, uh, nine years old, and uh, it, her story is very similar to what my life story was, which is her dad in rural Zimbabwe uh, got a hold of a little motorcycle and put her on, and she had like just a dress and flip-flops, which is like, no, <laughs> you, know, you need to have a helmet and all of that. Yes. On. And, but she just knew how to do it. She yeah. knew how to ride a motorcycle. And it was a KX-65, right? So they ended up uh, connecting with me. And to tell you the truth, at the very beginning when I received this email, I thought it was a scam. Like, I, I see a little girl from Zimbabwe, you know, uh, that loves run. motocross and wants you to come to Zimbabwe. We pay for your way to come here. The country will pay for your way to come here. Please come. And I'm like, delete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, this like is an African scam. prince. Yeah, like, right? I, you're, exactly. not, you're not going to get me with this one. Nice try, African right. prince. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, like then, you know, like they were actually persistent. So the third time was a charm. So I ended up replying. And that was one of the best things I ever done in my life because I did go to Zimbabwe. I brought all the equipment with me yeah. because, you yeah. know, like I couldn't, I couldn't do 
accept the fact that she was riding without a helmet yes. and like with flip-flops. Yeah. So brought all the equipment, we called the people in the industry and say, hey, this is a great opportunity. Let's help this little girl. Can TM ended up sending her a bike, you know, like gear companies ended up sending a um, product to her. And fast forward, that I, well, I was there and uh, for two weeks and we trained and then we entered her first race and her first race with the boys, she got third. Just like you. Oh, my God. <laughs> did, did, did you feel a sense of just warmth? I mean, did it, I mean, because it's almost a mirror to what you did. Exactly. And this is why, you know, like the relationship that I have with Tanya is so powerful because, uh, you know, she has this desire to take a sport you know, yes. which is a male-dominated sport. Right. She is from rural Africa, and she her message is to show the world that if you work hard and you have a dream, yes, you you can achieve that. Yes, I've always said nobody can stop. I mean, the world is what it is, and you know all the negativity. Yes, okay, that's there. But if you really want something, nothing, and I do mean nothing, can stop you. And that's why every guest I have on here, and I mean that, that's what I wanted them to show the people who are watching is that, you know what, no matter what, like you said, when it, there's a mountain in front of you, you're going to find a way either through it, above it, around it, but you're going to get through that. Nothing can stop you when you really want something and you got to want it. And you brought her over to Florida, right? She's in Florida now, yes, right? Yes, yes. So um, we were able to get her to, to come to the U.S. So, so now she's here and she's going to start the training here in, in the, the United States. But the part of uh, that I think it's incredibly special is the fact that they Tanya started to become an activist, you know, like because of the opportunities that the sport and yes. the connection with me yes. has given her. Now she is really, really pushing for education in, in Zimbabwe. That's so much beautiful. so that every time we get a, a financial support, Tanya spends some of those money to pay for schools for rural kids in Africa. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's wonderful. It's how, amazing, you know. And, I how, think. and how old is she? How old is she again? She is 15 right now. That's incredible. I, I love that. I mean, when you're that young, like I, I never had that wherewithal growing up to think outside of my box. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she wants to help other people at that young of an age, that and, and it's almost an inspiration to you because you're the one that granted her the opportunity to be able to do that. Yes, so you're, indeed. So, you're, you know. yeah, so it's got to make you feel good inside. It does. It does. It's like her story, you know, and what she have achieved, you know, and the, the true willingness to do good for others and for the words is so inspiring to me that it's just like, how do this work? I, I love what she does. And like I said, I'm a mentor to her and uh, I love it. I love the fact that we are using motorcycle as a tool, you know, like uh, to spread this message around the world. And also, not just telling you, but also you went to Iran yes. and helped an Iranian motocross. Like, how do you do that? And, like, and, and I think that's almost, almost is just as inspired because she had to get yes. permission from her husband. It's a whole different ballgame over there. And, mm -hmm. and she has to race in a Punjabi, is it, or whatever? Yeah, job is called. Uh, yeah, Ajab, she has to yeah. race in that. So, yeah. like, what, what problem did you confront when you went to Iran? Because that's a whole different culture. And yes, you don't know well... I didn't go to Iran this time. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't feel comfortable to go, to go there. I mean, being a very strong woman and a gay woman yes. going to Iran, I'm like, yes. hmm, maybe I'll, I'll see that one out. Yeah. But <laughs> I got, I got uh, Nora to come here. 
you know, to the U.S. Yeah. And her story was like this. She has been so passionate about motorcycle racing and motocross in general that her dream was to be able to teach other women in Iran to how to race motocross, okay? So she came over and she, she took a class with me and we became immediate friend and she learned how to teach others, right? And when she was here, the crazy stuff was this. Because we were creating quite a bit of attention, you know, being a, a female from Iran, you know, like they want to kind of like uh, go against the culture there, right. you know, and do so. In, in Iran, women cannot even drive a car. So let alone, wow. you know, ride a wow. motorcycle and teach other women to do that, right? Yes. Wow. So that's the level over there. So, you know, her wanted to do this, you know, I generated a lot of attention around her that we got we got media to start talking about. So this went back to Iran. And when she was here, she got an email by and saying that if you come back home and you continue to do what you're doing, we're going to stone you. Oh, my At God. At that level. So me, I'm like, hold on a second here. So I pick up the phone. I called CNN. I say, I have a story for you. And they came over, they ran the whole story and then turned the thinking positive, meaning like because we create so much mainstream attention, then the governor of Iran came back and brought to Noura and say, okay, we're not going to stone you anymore if you come back. <laughs> but, you know, like you can do this in only a specific area and only during these times. But that was already a win. Right. Wow. So and then from that, she became an activist as well, you know, allowed how to, you know. And that's all be because of you. But now it's all because, <laughs> I mean, you, you kind of brush it off, but it's the truth. You are kind of like the, the cornerstone of all. All this comes back to you. And, and it, it, it's, it really does. I mean, from what uh, Tanya's doing and what Norris. That comes back to you because you give them the strength. And it's like when I was watching and trying to get ready for this interview with you, you know, I said I knew a little bit about it and I just was watching. And the more I dug, I go, oh, my God, I love this woman for what you do. Like I was watching your videos and I go, I want to ride motorcycles with you. I want you to teach me to ride motorcycles. I want to ride. I really don't want to ride with you. You'll probably smoke me. I don't care. I want us to hit some trails. I want us to have fun. I, I That's my goal. I want us to have fun. I want us to have ride. And, and you're also in the e-bikes. And I rode my first right, e-bike yep. uh, two months ago. And I have to say, when you first hit e-bikes, when I, we met, and I was like, yeah, okay, e-bike. I, I said, okay. And I was like, yeah, okay, well, good for you. And then <laughs> I rode one, so I apologize for how I was thinking about e-bikes because you're so right. It was the, one of the greatest experiences ever. You, you pedal, and then you press that power button, and it, I can't describe it, but it was like the greatest feeling. And I was like, and I remember when I did that, the first thing I thought of was you. I go, you know what? I got to call Steffi and apologize <laughs> for, what, for my prejudice against e So <laughs> what company is that? I'm going to give them a plug before we get here. What's the pl what company is it? That was a company I was working for. Her name was uh, Fantic. I, I, I'm not associated with them anymore. But uh, that What'd was a do? company. What would you do? Did you get fired? What did you do? Did you, <laughs> no, did you we take just, a bike home? Did you take a bike home you weren't supposed to take home? No, 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 no. It's all good. It's all good. We're just like that diverse way of seeing things. And, uh, you know, that's how business goes sometimes. But, um, yeah, but e-bike as a whole, I think it's a good uh, um, way to start again, to get more people on two wheels, yes, right? Two and wheels. Wow. Uh, I'm... I'm a very big uh, supportive of um, doing things for uh, the climate, 
you know, in the environment. And I yes. do believe they, especially, especially in met, metropolitan area, yes. e-bike can be a different way of transportation. Yes. And it really empowers people that, uh, you know, like they wouldn't probably not even pick up a, a bicycle, you know, if they didn't have that little bit extra power. And it is a little bit, but it's not like out of this world. You know, you just feel like how I like to describe it. It's just like, you feel like a teenager again. Yes, don't you? It, it, I can't, yeah, the same thing, I can't describe it. But it was one of the greatest feelings. I go, you know what? I owe her an apology when I started riding. <laughs> and being the leader that you are, have you ever thought about doing anything political? I mean, if you're running for <laughs> office? Because, I mean, it's hard to describe here on this interview, but when you meet you, there's something about you that makes you go, you know what? Yeah, I can do it. Yeah. I mean, when he talked to you and you've been around you for a little bit, you just feel like you could you could you could make me move walls. I would, I mean, honestly. <laughs> and so I was thinking, and, and you made those two women from other countries, and they have a whole different set of rules over there. And, you know, one woman's about to get stoned because of you, and she's still <laughs> doing so you have a leadership quality that and you're the greatest story. You're the story of America. And you came over here, <laughs> spoke very little English, you learned the game, you succeeded in it in a different country, and now you're killing. So why wouldn't I? I would vote for you for, for whatever you ran for. So, I, would you have any political aspirations? No, not really. Polit politics is very complicated, and uh, as you probably very well know. No, for, for me, it's more important to, like I said, be a mentor, be an inspiration, and uh, help others. You know, like uh, I do believe in good. You know, I think like that if uh, we all do our part to do a little bit of good you right. know the world that will be a better place as a whole and i do believe in helping others you know i think that's incredibly important because not only you get a possibility to really change the, the life of somebody yes. but it's so rewarding for you that i will really suggest everybody should try it go <laughs> help somebody <laughs> yes I agree 100%. Now I'm going to ask you some uh, social media questions or just some fun questions. And let's see. Uh, and let's see. Okay. I ask you who your sports hero was. Um, who impresses you now in, in women's motocross? Who impresses you now that like, makes you go, wow? Like, well, yes. Like yes I like to race her. <laughs> well, unfortunately, right now, the, the status of women in motocross, it's not as high as it used to be. Like uh, in, in, in the American scenario, you know, they kind of like got, got, unfortunately, degraded to an amateur status. Okay. You know, like, so that's not really good. It actually went backwards instead of going forward. And why do you think um, that is? Why do you think that is? I think it is a lot about the fact that uh, the sport as a whole, again, is a very wild, white man dominated sport and it's been done with the same way for a very long time. Then uh, these, the people that don't have the capability to see, in my opinion, how much more the sport can grow if we get more diversity in the yes. sport. Yes. You know, like I am a, a, a spokesperson of that you know, diversity, uh, that being, uh, you know, different ethnicity, but also, you know, women and, and, and male, you know, like, I think that's incredibly important. And I think until we make changes to, mm -hmm. to, the, to the people that are in power to see what it can be done, Mm -hmm. You know, like, unfortunately, women in, in male-dominated sport are going to still cons be considered a second class. I will do the best I can to change that, you know, like, and, uh, and hopefully it's going to happen sooner rather than later, but that's where we are sitting at. So um, 
I think the the idol for me right now it is my little girl Tanya. <laughs> oh, good, good. That's great. Yes. And if anybody can change anything, it's going to be you. If anybody can, <laughs> um, how would your life have changed? How do you think your life would have gone if you didn't case that jump in two thousand five? How do you, how how do you think it would have uh, been different? And and well, I, I know everybody hates what ifs, but I only do it because I'm also an actor, and that's one of the things yeah. that gets us through the objective. So, like, how do you think your life would have been different? Well, I, I don't know because I'm actually very happy for what happens. You know, yeah. I don't see that as something that is bad. You know, I see that as a, an opportunity to change the way to do things, you know, for me, it changed me, the accident, you know, it got me to the person that I am today, which is, you know, much more caring for others, right. you know, like uh, wanted to inspire people, helping people. Maybe if I was continuing to do on the path that I was, you know, like the fearless, you know, khaki, because like I said, <laughs> you have to be a little bit like that, you know, and maybe yeah. would have turned not in the way that it did. So, I don't know. I would like to think that if I was not getting hurt, I was getting a couple more titles, yeah, <laughs> you know, I think so too. and maybe, maybe work more on the way that back in the days, social media was not that uh, prominent like it is right now. Right. And maybe if I would have continued racing and, and jump into the age of social media, maybe I would have been more, you know, recognized for what I've done in right. the sport. You know, just because of a media um, aspect, because you know very well, you know, journalists and uh, a magazine can write that much. But right. then, you know, with the coming of the social media, now everybody in the world can know of you. Right. Right. But that's OK. You know, like maybe I'll get the chance to do it now in a different way, you know, by mentoring and helping others. Greatest male supercrosser of all time. Uh, I, well, probably Jeremy McGrath. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I always felt that too. I, I mean, I love James Stewart. I really do. But what McGrath did, man, McGrath was the man. I mean, when I grew up, he was, I, I saw him race probably more than Stewart. And uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. McGrath. I mean, I have to say that, J that James is right there, you know, yeah. as far as Ricky Carmichael too, you know, like yeah. everybody has their own flavor and everybody did something amazing in their own time. So it's always very hard to pick one, you know, greatest, I do have a little go, greatest go motocrosser of all time. Yeah, that probably has to be Ricky, <laughs> Ricky okay. Carmichael. Yeah, yeah better than but Ryan. James Stewart. James Stewart also, you know, but again, it all goes also for the ages. You were yeah. about to say uh, Roger DeCosta for Roger sure. Tony it Caroli. Tony. Your, your country Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. Stefan okay. Everts, also another one, you know. So there are many people that did very good things. So again, it's very hard to pinpoint one. Greatest woman motocrosser of all time. Yourself you tell included. me. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> like, okay, in your heyday, in her heyday, could you have beaten uh, Kiara? Yeah, I think so, for sure. It, you know, like. I met her. I mean, it's, it's just a different type of, um, of riding. I have a story about Chiara. I actually ended up discovering Chiara. I don't know if you know this story. So, you discover everybody. <laughs> it was 2008. Can you be my manager? Can you be my manager? <laughs> and maybe not make it to the big time. <laughs> it was the 2008, and uh, I was in Italy, and there was uh, this uh, race uh, during um, um, a trade show in Padova. Okay, and uh, in this trade show, there was uh, this uh, motorcycle racing. Chiara was there, and I saw her and I said, "Oh my God, this girl has talent. She's very good." And she was like, I don't know, 
12 or 13 years old. So I spoke with the parents and I say, you know, at 12, 13, you're too young to go and do the World Championship. Why you don't come to the United States and race Loretta Lynx? So I help her. She came over. I managed the whole situation. She won Loretta Lynx. And from that on, she started to make the name for herself. And then the, the transaction was to get going into um, the, the uh, MX GP, the women. Jeez. All roads so. go through you. <laughs> All roads in motocross or go through you. If you're a woman who want to race motocross, this woman here, <laughs> Steffi Bow. Steffi, uh, hold on, let me get this right. Steffi Gossapina. <laughs> yes. That's your middle That's name, Steffi Gossapina. My middle name. Yeah. My middle name. <laughs> no, yes. I, 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 hit your sister, I hit your beautiful sister up this morning. I said, uh -huh. there's something I got to tell me something. She goes, okay, she hates her middle name, so call her her middle name. That's why I had to, to wait to the end of the interview to do it because I don't want to get you in a bad mood. So it's <laughs> no, okay. So but my God, Steph, honestly, I could I could literally talk to you all day. And I think I've done it before. We've done it before. Yeah, we did. Uh, when we were in Valencia. And I, honestly, yeah. I never got tired. Of, it was one of the greatest experiences talking to you. And to have the pleasure to talk to you, to get the world to know you now. And I, I just, and at this time, and just the world, especially America, I think this story needs to be told. Because like you say, it was before social media. And, mm -hmm. you know, and let's just be honest, man. Women don't get the, the, the credit or accolades they, they des well deserved. And so your story needs to be out there. It's such a great story. And you continue to inspire. You continue to, like like I said, from, uh, from Tanya to uh, the woman from Iran. And everything you've done, you turn to gold. And you turn that, like I said, your ankles explode and they want to amputate it. And you took that negative, turned it to a positive when you could have went down a negative path. And I just thank you so much for allowing me the time to, seriously, get your story out to the world. To my producer, Wyatt, who's 19. He plays <laughs> basketball. He didn't know anything about you. I told him he was like wow so hopefully he'll get a motorcycle and you can teach him and you never know he might be a motocross racer you never know so man thank you so much Steph anything else you want to plug before we get out of here anything else any company yeah or? I would like to say if anybody wanted to learn a little bit more you know our eSports are getting involved into motorcycle racing mm -hmm. you should follow our um, website today is init eSports init is i-n-i-t esports.com and uh, we'll post uh, you know what, what's going on in the world and also on the social media and you can feel free to follow me too you know all my social media are at Steffi Bao so it's super easy to find me that's right and honestly you will not be disappointed she continues to inspire and and inspire me and I mean I'm being dead serious now I just, <laughs> I, I just really I literally want to put on a motocross outfit now and I want to go <laughs> and I just want to go up a mountain right now I really do so thank you awesome. again Steffi so much for taking your time out and uh i appreciate it i really do thank you so much i really appreciate it too bt and it's always a pleasure talking to you and i'm sure next time i'll see you in person we're gonna spend the whole day together <laughs> please do if you come through i know you're in maine right now if you if, yeah. are you driving or flying driving driving it's just like a, for the time being i'm just here if you drive through Indianapolis, stop through, and I will let you take me out to eat and pay for it. So please All right do. on. Sounds <laughs> good. <laughs> to it. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Go be with Thank your you wife. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. Thank everybody for watching Tales from the Gemini. I hope you enjoyed this uh this episode, I, I enjoyed thoroughly. My friend, Steffi Bow, like I said, if you want to ride, know somebody wants to ride. You don't have to be a woman, a man, woman, whatever. She continues to inspire anybody on this earth. So be better to everybody. Thank you so much. Like we say around this time, peace.